Amen. 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 God is good. Amen. He's so good. Good morning. Good to see you. Good morning to those that are watching from home. We're glad you're here this morning. Hey, before we get into anything today, Steve, our media guy, it's his birthday today. So let's give him a round of applause. Happy birthday. I said, Steve, how old are you? He said, 39. I said, you told me that last year. So he actually, I do think he's 39. So happy birthday today. We're glad you're here this morning. We're starting a brand new series next week. We're doing a one-off message today called Faith Factor. Say that with me. Faith Factor. Y'all seen the fear factor thing before? Yeah, I'm not into that. I don't like eating bugs and those kinds of things. But I'm going to ask you a question today at the beginning of the message, and also we're going to ask it at the end. And here's the question. Are you focused on the fear factor, or are you focused on the faith factor? Are you focused on the fear factor, or are you focused on the faith factor? Now, if I'm just being transparent, several years ago when we went on a vacation, I was focused on the fear factor and not the faith factor. We went to this reptile farm, okay, and some of you like reptiles and snakes. I don't know why you do, but some of you do. I don't. I don't really care for those kinds of things. And we went, saw these alligators and all this stuff, and we're getting ready to leave. We're on our way out, and we were walking down this road towards, and one of the kids said, hey, look, there's a boa constrictor over there. You know, some guide was showing people it, and Weird people could actually put this thing around their neck. And one of my kids is like, hey, let's put that on our neck. And I'm like, hey, that's no. No, why are you doing that? So all of a sudden, it's around their neck. And I'm thinking, oh, gee, many Christmas. You got to know, I hate snakes. How many smart people in here don't like snakes? Does anybody else not like snakes? Some of you do. Maybe a few of you have them in your homes. Again, I don't know why, okay, but you do. So we're going, my kid, they had it around their neck, and then I'm thinking, well, my wife and I are obviously the only smart ones here that aren't putting the snake around their neck. And then she's like, I want to put it around my neck too. And I was just like, oh, good grief. So it's around her neck, and they're taking photos of it. And then they turn to me. And they're like, Dad, are you going to put this? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not putting that around my neck. I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. And my wife looks at me like, you're embarrassing yourself in front of the kids. <laughs> okay, you have two boys. Your boys are, what are you? And I'm like, put the thing around my neck. So I had a fear factor, and I was trusting <laughs> that that thing wouldn't choke me out, all right? So we all have things, whether it's snakes or something else, that you have a fear of. And for, um, in our lives sometimes, it's easy for us to have fear, even sometimes when God calls us to do something. So the question becomes, are we going to be people that are filled with faith or people that are filled with fear? Because God wants us to be filled with faith, especially when he's calling us to something. So we're going to be looking in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. We're not going to read the whole thing, but we are going to look through quite a bit of scripture. And this story is actually kind of a sad story because God has something planned for them. And they come right up to it, but because they're afraid of some things in front of them, they cower away in fear, and they end, it ends up costing them 40 years. Some of us know what that's like. We make a choice, maybe when you were a kid, especially adults, you've made a choice and it's impacted you, or you know someone who you watched them make one or two choices that have impacted their life. Here's what happens, okay? Moses has led the people out of Egypt he has led them through the Red Sea. God has dried the ground, and they were able to go through it. 
And God is beginning to give them favor, and he tells them that they're going to be able to go into the promised land that God has for them. And so he sends some scouts into the area where God wants them to take over and say, hey, I want you to go in there and and see, you know, what the people are like. So he gives Moses these instructions, and then Moses gives the people this instruction. So here we go. Moses gave them instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. He said, go north through the Negev into the hill country, see what the land is like, and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak are few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like the open camps? Is the soil fertile or is it poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. And then they go and they explore for 40 days. Imagine being on a scouting trip for 40 days. They're there for 40 days and they come back and really what they have to say is going to have a huge impact on all the people. I mean, you're talking about 2 million people plus women and children that are in that community. And here's what they come back. They returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. And they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. And this was their report. We entered the land that you sent us to explore, and it is a de- indeed, let's read it, a bountiful country, right? A bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey, but the people living there are what, church? Are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw, we even saw what, church? Giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, okay? So now he's not only listing what the land is like and there's giants there, now he's saying, listen, and the Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and everybody else that's been pumping iron and got better armor than us and are taller than us and are stronger than us, they live in the hill country. And then that's not enough. The Canaanites and all the ites on the, along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. So at this point, Caleb, he's filled with faith. Have you ever had somebody in a conversation and you're just like, would you just be quiet? Okay, we're trying to, we're trying to do something here. And you're over here running your mouth, going to cause all these problems. So Caleb looks at him and tries to quiet the people. And he stands before Moses to no avail. But he says, hey, let's go at once to this land. Okay, I went on this scouting trip too. I saw the same things that this guy saw. And I'm telling you, we can certainly conquer it. Amen. But here's what happened. The other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. And they said, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report. Folks, you know how gossip works. It's amazing how something that's half true or isn't totally the truth or you heard it from a friend, you heard it from someone else, how it has power over people. And this is a $2 million people influence and a 40-year mistake or decision. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored, it'll devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Here we go. Next to them, we felt like what? Grasshoppers. And that's what they thought, too. 
So then the whole community began weeping aloud. You know how your child or your grandchild, it's late and he's tired and he's cranky and he just starts whining and crying and complaining. Now imagine everybody in the car starts doing that. And their voices rose in a great chorus. The next time people in your life start whining, just make a chorus out of it, you know? Think about that. All these people are crying and whining and complaining because some of the leaders that came back were filled with fear. They weren't considering the faith factor. They certainly weren't considering the God factor. They were considering their fear. And they cried all night long against Moses and Aaron. Then they start whining. I know none of you whine, but this is what they did. If we only had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us into this country only to have us die in battle? How quickly we forget. God has protected them over and over and provided for them over and over with food and whatever that they need, miracle after miracle. And they come up against a giant and they're wishing they would have never came out here to take what God has for them. Man, how often do we do the same? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? And then they took it up a notch. Then they, plant, they plotted among themselves. This leader obviously is leading us wrong. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? So you can see Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb, they're probably just like, oh, my word. Because they knew what God had for them. And they knew that God could deliver them. But they had a bunch of whining, complaining, non-trusting people. So there was a whole lot that happened, and I'm going to paraphrase it for you. Moses and Aaron did the only thing they knew they could do, which was to fall down on their face and to cry out to God. Did you know sometimes there's a situation that you can't fix with words? You can't fix with the right advice. You just have to fall down and just pray for them. In fact, some of you in here today, you just need to cry out to God and you need to pray for some situation that you're dealing with because you can't control it. Moses and Aaron, they fall down on their face. Joshua and Caleb, they're full of youthful enthusiasm, and they still believe in that maybe we can get this thing turned around. And they start to plead with these people. Hey, listen, you guys say that we can't do it. We can do it. But they kind of quit saying that because they started hearing murmurs that they were talking about stoning them to kill them. So it's at this point that God's like, you know what? I'm just going to destroy them because of their contempt. They are not listening They aren't doing what they're supposed to. And then Moses intercedes and says, hey, listen, let's not do that. God. And so God says, I will pardon them as you've requested. But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will enter the land. And then God kind of 
digresses a little bit, kind of like when you talk to your kids, like, I told you, and I've told you, and I've told you, and I'm not telling you anymore. He says, they have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous sounds I, signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But this is sad. But again and again, they have tested me, let's finish it, by refusing to listen to my So they will never see the land I swore to give their ancestors. And none of those who've treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than these others. And he has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land that he explored. His descendants will possess their full, full share of the land. Now, this is sad. This is like, I want you to just think about this for a second. All that they've been through to get to this point. They've been, if you don't know the story, they were slaves in Egypt. They were under a tyrant. God saves them and delivers them. And they, they go through all these things to go into this land that God's given them. And they have one test, so to speak, left. And they walk out on the football field and the other team looks faster and the other team looks stronger and the other team looks smarter. And they say, I don't even want to play. And God's like, okay. So turn around, cowards, and go on toward the land where the Amalekites and Canaanites live. Don't you know that was a sad conversation for God to have with Joshua and Caleb, who are the ones that, I mean, they're ready to go. Tomorrow, you must set out for the wilderness instead of the promised land in the direction of the Red Sea. Oh, yeah, the one that I delivered you from. So what can we take away from that today? Talking about this faith factor versus fear factor. Toxic thinking never leads you to the promised land. The story that we tell ourselves is powerful. So which story are you telling yourself? Who you hang around with, what you believe matters. Caleb tries to quiet the people and tell them, we can take this. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men, they didn't believe. We can't go up against him. They are stronger than we are. So they started to spread this bad report. We even see giants. We felt like grasshoppers. What story are you telling yourself If God is calling you to something, he will lead you through something. Here's another thing we can learn. We have to replace the negative self-talk with letting God talk. Amen? Amen. We have to replace the negative self-talk with letting God talk. Um, Many of us know people who, in fact, just about every family's got one or two kids that are shy Sometimes if you have a shy kid or you have a shy grandchild and you're somewhere in public and an adult speaks to the child and the child doesn't say anything back, you feel obligated as the parent or the grandparent to speak for them. You're eight, right? Tell them you're eight. You're eight. Look them in the eye. Hey, come back. He's talking to you. 
And you say that because you're speaking for them. And sometimes we don't realize it, but we're treating God like he's an eight-year-old child. Or maybe we're worried that he's going to call us to go up against the giant. Or he's calling us to do something that doesn't make sense on paper to us, so we just speak for him. And we justify not doing what he's asking us to do because of the constant negative self-talk. What would happen if you would turn the volume down on your voice and turn the volume up on God's? They have seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I perform both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice because all they want to listen to is their voice. And what they don't know is if they would have stepped out in faith and went in and took on them, the other, those other people, they would have won. See, most of the scouts that went into the promised land, they trusted what was visible. Faith is not pretending that what's visible isn't visible. God wanted them to trust him despite what was visible. So what about in your life? As you take inventory, as you look at what's in front of you, Are you trusting in what you can see or are you trusting in God despite what you can see? It is difficult to live in fear all the time. Worrying about the other shoe to drop, so to speak, the other foot to drop. We don't have to spend 40 years wandering around in fear. We can trust Let's read it. If God's bringing us to it, he will most assuredly. You guys are really quiet today, okay? But you know what I'm saying. If God has brought you to it. Sometimes we want God to bring us to something. It's not what he's bringing us to. And then we're frustrated because it's not turning out the way that we want it to. We have to make sure that God is bringing us to it. But if God is bringing us to it, He's going to lead us through it, and we can step out in faith. Remember, remember Peter? Lord, if it's You, tell me to come to You. Because I don't want to get out in this storm if I'm not supposed to. Because if You're not telling me to come to this, then it's just going to fall on my face. But if you are in this storm, I will rock right into it. Caleb and Joshua, they knew the score. They knew who was in charge. Let's go at once to take the land. We 
can certainly conquer it. But the negative self-talk, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. Prevented it. See, fear sees the situation as the giant. And faith sees God as the giant. Something is the giant in your life and in my life. Which is it? Is God bigger than your problems or are your problems bigger than God? That's a very basic thing this morning. But some of us have made our fears and anxieties and our struggles and our worries and our concerns and our anxieties, we have made that, maybe not on purpose, right? Because we're believers or we're curious about God if we're in here today. It's one of the two things. And we want to believe in God and we do have faith, but we have rolled up one fear after another and we've done enough negative self-talk. We haven't been spending any time in God's Word to get some faith and courage and strength. And we just keep going day after day after day. And pretty sure, you know, pretty soon after a while, that big old fear yarn ball or whatever you want to call it is so big. And it's, it's bigger than faith. And I know that God can do it. But I just don't think he can do it for us. Be careful to spend time with God. You need your faith. See, God's presence, it's, it's what fills us up. All of us go to the gas station however often, and we get filled up. How's your faith gauge today? We can't expect to have faith if we're not spending time with him. And if we're not spending time with him, it's going to be hard over time to trust him. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says. There'd be no sense in saying you trusted Jesus if you would not take his advice. So here's my question today. Are you focused on on the fear factor, somebody at home, are you focused on the fear factor or the faith factor? So how do you have faith? The answer that I have is get next to Jesus. He rubs off on you. I was a youth pastor for 10 and a half years. I'd tell students all the time, whoever you hang out with, if you're not careful, you'll become exactly who they are. So make sure that whoever you hang out with is someone you want to be like. All of us as believers, we want to be like Jesus. So hang out with him. Read his word. Spend time in prayer. When you're going through something, don't lean into your worries. Don't listen to someone else. Turn into God. Listen to Him. Are you focused on the fear factor? 
Are you focused on the faith factor? Let's stand together this morning. Lord Jesus, today, I thank you that you love us. I thank you, Lord, for the reminder that you are bigger than any giant or anything that stands in front of us. And I pray, Lord, that we would be people that would trust you wholeheartedly. Father, when we have those moments of fear, Lord, would you just whisper in our ears, Father, that you are with us. Lord, if we're honest with you, there's probably an area or so in our lives that it's a little bit harder to have faith than others. And I pray, Lord, when we're in those moments that we would lean into you. We put our trust and our faith in you. Father, thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, all God's people said.